For some people, this is the most wonderful time of the year. People can't wait until Christmas comes around. They love the decorations, they love the get-togethers, they love the food, the gifts, the whole feeling of family around and all that. And it is, for them, something that they look forward to all year. But there are some of us who really struggle at Christmas time, and we have good reason for that. And today I'm going to address those of you who struggle, and hopefully I'll try to help those of you who don't struggle, who love Christmas time, to sort of understand the other side. Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for joining me. Just for a little context, back in 2005, my father-in-law died very unexpectedly five days before Christmas. And it really sent our whole family into a tailspin. And it was a, a, a time that was fraught with just unbelievable uh, problems and struggles and things that, I mean, it was a crazy, crazy, chaotic time for us. We had sick children and um, there was vandalism that happened at our house. And then two people got pneumonia. There was ear infections. There was just continual and constant craziness and family friction and just all sorts of just unbelievable experiences that surrounded the death of my father-in-law. And that year, um, Christmas just, uh, it, it just became something different than it had ever been before. And it was really the first time that God had said a very distinct no to one of my prayers. I had prayed, I'd been on my knees praying that God would save his life. And there, I mean, God had said no to several things in my life before this, but this was one of the first times that God just said no and took something that was so important to me. And uh, we just, our whole family kind of went into a tailspin and struggled and, and Christmas became something that it had never been before. And I know many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those of you who are widows understand um, when Christmas comes around and you've had years and years and years with somebody, you know the emptiness. And it's not just death that happens, you know, right before Christmas. For some people, there was the cancer diagnosis. For other people, there was the accident. For another person, a job was lost. There are all kinds of things that happen um, sometimes right before Christmas, the, the spouse who decided he didn't want to be married anymore, and it happened the week before Christmas. And it sort of puts a spin on Christmas that other people don't understand. And I want to talk you through that today. I just want to show you some things that have sort of helped me and also um, sort of just see if we can't um, come to a understanding that Christmas doesn't have to be awful either. Um, so maybe it isn't what we wanted it to be, but it also doesn't have to be the worst time and just something to get through. So first off, a lot of times the reason that we really struggle at Christmas is because of our expectations. You know, we're not the Martha Stewart, Joanna Gaines, 
we um, have family issues, and when people come together, there isn't the, oh, warm, snuggly hugs and can't believe that we're finally together, but there's fighting and there's discord and or maybe you just don't have enough money to get the gifts that you always wanted to get your children, or maybe it's even a struggle just to get through the holidays because of an addiction or um, something that always causes someone who comes over, you know, they're always drunk or they've been drinking, and so there's fights and discord, and it just ends up being this traumatic time for everybody. And so expectations can be a serious issue as we go into Christmas. And if that's part of the problem with you, let me take you to Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph had both had angelic confirmations that Jesus would be the Son of God. And I don't know what was going through their minds because God doesn't tell us. All I know is my experience. There have been times that I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt what was going on in my life what I was doing was exactly what God wanted me to be doing. So I knew that I was doing the right thing. And so there was a part of me that thought, if I'm doing the right thing, this is really going to be blessed. This whole path is going to be blessed. And then when it was really hard and difficult and there wasn't, you know, the cheering and people helping me, but instead I was facing opposition, I I sort of went, what? What's going on here? And listen, I don't know, like I said, if Mary and Joseph were thinking, okay, this is God's son, and this is the Messiah, so this should be fairly simple. He's going to pave the road for us. But if they had those thoughts, they may have been disappointed. So just to put it in perspective, just what happened in the days leading up to Jesus' birth, Mary and Joseph had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And that was about 90 miles. And there's an article in the LA Times from 1995. It was written by James James F. Strange, who is a New Testament and biblical archaeology professor at the University of Southern Tampa. He was back in 1995 anyway. And he was just sort of laying out what this trip would have been. And he said, you know, it was south along the flatlands of the Jordan River and then west over the hills surrounding Jerusalem into Bethlehem. And and this is his quote. It was a fairly grueling trip. In antiquity, the most we find people traveling is 20 miles a day. But for Mary, it was probably more like 10 in her condition. And this trip was very much uphill and downhill. It was not simple. He goes on to say that the trip took place in winter when it's in the 30s during the day and there's rains and then it freezes at nights and there would be lions, there could be bears, there could be wild boars, not to mention the bandits. And then when they did get to Bethlehem, there was no room. And she would have delivered in what was probably cave-like, the stable, He assures us that it would not have been the clean, warm environment you would hope for your firstborn child. So there's that. There's a dangerous trip. There's a non-existent delivery room. Instead, a place where animals are kept. 
dirty outside. I mean, it's shelter, of course, but it's it's not the inside of a home. And then who comes to celebrate the birth? Not the wise men who would come later with their rich gifts, but shepherds. Shepherds who had been in the field probably didn't have any gifts to bring except their praises. A bunch of guys coming in from the field to celebrate the birthday of the Messiah. Now, I don't want to make this sound as if the shepherds weren't anything special. They certainly were. They reacted and they responded when the angels came to them. But it probably wasn't what Mary was expecting. And as if things had started out bad, they were going to get worse. Because after the wise men came, they had to flee to Egypt, and they had to leave their cozy little house that they had established in Bethlehem, and they were on the run again. It was just like a nightmare that didn't end. And we tend to have these expectations too. That, you know, we're following God. Won't he make it easy for us? Won't he just smooth the path and give us smooth sailing? You know, that's not biblical. Jesus' life was anything but easy. In fact, Jesus promised that we would have trouble in this world. We eventually die. And we go to our eternal home, and that's where the trouble is over. But while we're here, we bear the burdens of sin. It's not that we have to pay for our sin, but we live in a sinful world, and therefore, it's not going to be easy. And look at Death is the vehicle that God uses to bring us home to him. And it's not fun. And it's sad. And it brings with it a lot of pain. And, you know, no one wants to minimize that. Jesus cried at the tomb of Lazarus right before he raised him from the dead. Jesus came to the procession, the funeral procession of the widow of Nain. He had great compassion on her and raised her son back to life. Death is hard. No one, no one can say that it's not. There are times that it's easier, like when somebody has suffered and when you've gone through a disease and you're thankful that their suffering is over, or when they die of old age and they've had a nice, long, blessed life, and you can just rejoice that they're home. Those times it's easier sometimes to be thankful for death coming, but man, when it's a sudden death and there's a young person in the prime of life or somebody that you expected to live a whole lot longer, it just can hurt so bad. Sometimes we have to adjust our expectations. We need to remember that this journey is full of struggle. And there's plenty of trouble, but eternity matters. Thank God that Jesus came to make sure that we could be with him in eternity forever. Because otherwise, we would really have something to weep and mourn about. 
The Apostle Paul told us that our heartache here doesn't even compare. He said in Romans chapter 8, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. He went on later on to, in that same chapter to say, hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Man, through our pain, it can feel like forever. But if we wait for it patiently, if we wait for it, and if we remember the hope that we have, and if we remember that our present suffering is not worth comparing to what we have, then we just keep looking forward with eager expectation. How are we going to get through the grief at Christmas or anytime? Well, three things. Look for someone else to bless. Who else is lonely during this time? Who is struggling? Who is grieving? Notice them. Make them a card. Pray for them. Ask them to go to coffee, meet for lunch. Sit with them at church. Notice them. Invite them over. Spend some time with them. Notice that you're not alone. You are not alone going through this. There are other people in the same predicament. And you know what? There is nothing better than being able to share that experience and your time and the peace that you found with somebody else, and they can do the same for you. You know, recently I've been working in a um, facility that has older people, and there was a woman who was sobbing one night, and she was just sobbing uncontrollably, and no one could really calm her down. And I went in, and I started rubbing her back, and a nurse stopped, and she said, hey, do you know the Lord's Prayer? And I said, yeah, sure, I know the Lord's Prayer. And she said, well, why don't you say it to her? So I said the Lord's Prayer, and then I recited Psalm 23, and then I leaned over, and I started singing Abide With Me to her. And pretty soon I heard this frail little voice joining me singing abide with me and I thought you know God puts other people in our path for us to comfort each other for us to hold each other's hand for us to help one another get through the hard days so if you're hurting one of the easiest ways to be comforted is to find somebody else who is hurting and talk with them and give them peace as they help remind you of the promises of God, go and look for comfort together. Number two, rejoice in Christmas. Now, I'm not talking about rejoicing in the Christmas trees and the gifts and having a perfectly made meal. Um, None of that stuff really matters. And eventually you get to that point. I remember very distinctly the year that I announced to my mother, I would not be putting up a Christmas tree this year. And my mom said, oh, Amber, you have to put up a Christmas tree for the children. And I said, you know what, Mom? I don't. And this is why Christmas has nothing to do with a Christmas tree. If we are really going to celebrate Christmas, I can do that without a tree. In the long run, I did end up putting up a Christmas tree, but that's not the point. The point is we can rejoice in Christmas because what Christmas really is, the celebration of Christmas— The Christian celebration of Christmas is celebrating the fact that Jesus left heaven where he was praised and where angels adored him and where he didn't have to suffer or ever be hungry or ever be tired or lonely. He left that. He came to earth to live a perfect uh, life, to die a death 
in our place so that we could be with him in heaven. One of the wonderful things about this whole experience of him coming to earth in his humility is the fact that when we pray to him, he knows exactly what we are experiencing because he experienced it too. And I love to remember that when I am praying to him. When I'm praying to him and saying, God, I need your help because I am I'm struggling with this and I'm feeling this or I have these people coming against me or or whatever it is, Jesus knows. He knows. He's been here. He's experienced this. He's he's lived this. We wouldn't know love if we didn't know Jesus because Jesus gave up everything to come and be with us. And look, all the Hallmark movies, I know there's a formula. They all are fairly similar you know, boy meets girl or girl meets boy. And if the girl meets the boy, she doesn't realize that he's actually super rich because he's acting like he's not. And, um, you know, they fall in love and then she finds out, oh, she has everything, you know, and happily ever after. And isn't that great? You know what? That story is, those stories don't hold a candle to what Jesus actually did for us. And when we can rejoice in Christmas in the real truth of Christmas, and what Jesus did for us, and how much he loves us, and how much he proved that to us. Number three, we have to remember to stick to what is true. A lot of these traditions that we celebrate at Christmas, they really don't matter. Like I said, it doesn't matter if you put a Christmas tree up. It doesn't matter if you have a certain meal every year. It doesn't matter if you're supposed to get together for Christmas Eve because this is what we've always done or Christmas Day. You know, it doesn't matter if you get together on the 26th, the 28th, the 22nd. It it doesn't matter. Stick to what is true. And you know what is true? God's word. God's word can be the anchor that can get you through all of this. If you don't know where to start, can I suggest the Psalms? See, every morning I either start with the Psalms or the Proverbs. And I have to tell you that if you're hurting, the Psalms are the place to be. I am so, so very thankful for what God made David go through. And not just David, there's other people who wrote Psalms, but... You know, David went through a lot of things, and they broke his heart. But because he wrote about them, and because God allowed them to be put in the Bible, we can go through the same things. It's almost as if he's sitting next to us with his cup of coffee or water, whatever he liked to drink, and saying, yes, yes, I know what it is to have everybody making fun of me, or I know what it is to see all the enemies around you. And no one's telling the truth. And why is it that I have to keep fighting? Or why is it that I'm the one who looks like the bad guy when I'm the one who loves you, Lord? Why is it that they make it look like this when really this is the truth? There are so many nuggets of truth in the psalm, in the Psalms, and I hope that you go to them and you see the same comfort that David found because David will lament like no one else could. He will lament and then all of a sudden he'll say, but but, but my soul, do not be troubled. Look to God. He's your righteousness. He will hold you up in the storm. He is, David just did a beautiful job of always lamenting and then turning us right back to God. And this is where your hope is. So as you come to Christmas, if you have had some serious loss in your life, 
Consider adjusting your expectations. Blessing somebody else. Rejoicing in what Christmas really is and sticking to what is true. This has been Little Things because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Hey everyone, I want to thank you for your support and prayers this year. You help us to bring the truth of the gospel to others. Merry Christmas from all of us at Time of Grace and God's richest blessings to you in the new year.